Hi, and welcome back to the HR Sucks podcast. We are on episode 26. It's me, Katrina, and we've got a great episode coming to you. I first discovered Dr. Sheila Nazarian through a mutual friends page and was captivated by her social media. She's raw, she's fabulous, glamorous, and is not afraid to be who she is. After about a year of direct messaging back and forth about my own skin inquiries, I finally just asked her to be a guest on the show and she happily said yes. Dr. Sheila Nazarian is a world-class board-certified plastic surgeon with a private practice in Beverly Hills, owner of the Skin Spot, an e-commerce company, host of the Think Big Conference with headlining speakers such as Kris Jenner, and co-star of the Netflix hit Skin Decision. Through all of this, she became fully aware of sliding into burnout and has committed to taking two months away from clients each year to refill her bucket. If you're always going 100 miles per hour, this episode is for you. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Today's episode is sponsored by Game Day HR. Game Day HR is changing the way the world thinks about HR. With capabilities to absorb a business's day-to-day HR tasks or support the current HR team, Game Day HR provides an affordable and efficient dedicated HR team to help push your business forward. Visit www.gamedayhr.com today to schedule a free, that's right, free HR audit for your business. With Game Day HR, it's game day every day. Hello and welcome to the HR Sucks podcast, where we'll get down to the good, the bad, and the crap of workplaces today. With me today, like I can't, a queen, board certified plastic surgeon with a practice in Beverly Hills, co-star of the Netflix hit Skin Decision, a wife, a mother, an activist, a philanthropist, a badass, uh, Dr. Sheila Nazarian. Oh my gosh, girl. Hi everyone. Hi Kat. Thanks for having me on that. You're speaking my language. <laughs> I've been trolling you for a year. <laughs> like to have you on here after my trolling is like, it works sometimes I have to say. <laughs> I love it. No, that's good. So I kind of, I, I discovered you, I want to say through Bree, uh, Bree Jacoby's page because mm-hmm. she's in visionary women um i'm in it and then her and i met uh she needed some hr guidance for her employees and so i'm like who is who is that i need to know who that is <laughs> actually um, coming over later on today she's helping me edit my closet so i saw that it's so cute i love it um and i saw the ian and of course i thought okay must be something there our last names rhyme um, and so I just, I just thought you had style and honestly, I, I fangirled immediately. To, oh, to thank you. You. I don't have any style today cause I'm freezing here in Los Angeles, but in general, yes, we try. I just feel like it's been, I'm, I'm making more, a little bit more of an effort in the last couple of weeks. Um, but it's just literally been aloe yoga for the last six months. I mean, that's okay. Uh, you know, I, one of the things I feel like I noticed quickly um, was how you branded yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and 
I think that you and I are very common in, you know, we're really trying to fight back on like what society says we're supposed to like be and look like and act. And, you know, we're supposed to be like delicate and fragile and, you know, I'm kind of like beastly and aggressive. And, and so I feel like one of, we have similarities in alignment and we're telling women just be who you are. Like who cares? 100%. I mean, I, we, I'm cutting off of the high of my yearly conference called think big and the big stands for branding, innovation, and growth. And it was this past weekend, although we're making it on demand this year, cause everything's on demand and virtual now. So, but I mean, I think that's one of the messages and it doesn't even mean like like if you're very soft and delicate, be soft and delicate. And if you're a beast to be a beast. But I think it's really also about kind of reading your audience and being able to, you know, adjust, especially in sales, you know, we're all selling something, whether it's ourselves, um, not in like an illegal way, but you know, whether we're speaker or we're a plastic surgeon or we're a boutique owner, we're all selling something, even if it's ideas. Um, and so I, I think it, it is really important to be kind of um, a chameleon and sort of blend when you need to blend and, you know, change the tone of your voice to who you're speaking to. So lots totally of agree. Yeah. yeah. What, what is like your mission in sharing all of like the content that you do share? I mean, specifically, you know, I, specifically yeah, no. about like in a male dominated space. Well, I mean, I think um, for me, it was really putting out there to my own kids, an alternative role model, not just someone because, you know, it's funny, I think in the US, if you ask kids what they want to be, they all say YouTuber now. Whereas in, you know, Korea, they'll still say like engineer or doctor or something like that. So I just wanted to make sure that kids out there and young girls specifically have a, an alternative role model. Um, so that was, that meant for me just, you know, kind of being authentic to myself, being super feminine into fashion, being a mom, being a wife, um, being religious, you know, in my own way and just sort of just telling people, you know, this is me. If you like it, join my tribe. If you don't, don't follow me. Like, you know, no one's pushing you, but that was very different. I think in the medical space at the time when I started, because every woman, surgeon that I knew was very masculine and they had to be in their defense to survive because if you weren't, you were just kind of dismissed. Uh, but it was sort of just bringing that alternative, you know, um, I don't know, surgeon idea, even to young people, you know, sort of wanting to follow in my footsteps. So I don't know. I just think like, for me, I've always kind of been like, this is me, take it or leave it. And this is what I want to do. I don't care if you can't tell me that if you tell me that I can't, which is like all I heard growing up as a Persian Jew, like, why would you become a surgeon? As soon as you have kids, you're going to have to quit. You know, if you're a surgeon and your husband's a surgeon who feeds your children, like, like all day long. Um, so I think nannies. Yeah, no, I mean, I think to a certain point that that really lit a fire under my butt, like I'm going to prove you guys wrong. And I feel like a lot of women, that is a huge motivator to us. Whereas I think at some point you really do have to kind of let that go and be like, all right, I kind of proved everyone wrong. Now I kind of just want to live life for me. And I think that's what I've kind of been transitioning into the last few years is you can't just live your life trying to shove shit into people's faces. Like at some point you just have to say, I am who I am. I did everything that I said I was going to do. How do I want to live my life for me and maybe my husband and my kids and not like to prove other people wrong? No, I think that makes a lot of sense. One of my favorite 
sayings and, you know, I'm very sports, you know, I come from a sports background. And so you hear of these players like the Michael Jordans who, you know, they, they have this like vendetta against like another player and it really helps like motivate them to perform at that time. And right. I think that's great. And I think, like you said, it's great to have that like fire under your butt. But one of the things I always say is know when you've won already. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like we had, um, you know, Dave Logan who wrote Tribal Leadership. I don't know if you've read that book, but it's like insane. So he was one of the speakers at Think Big and he was my professor also at the Marshall School of Business. So he talks about, you know, the different levels of thinking as a, as a, as a leader and, being like stage one is like life sucks for everyone, you know, which is like what everybody's kind of, maybe some people have really dropped into that during 2020 and yeah. now. And then level two is my life sucks, mm-hmm. right? Level three is I'm the best. Everyone else sucks, which is where most like business owners live, right? <laughs> kind of have to, sure, right? No for sure doctors. And it's not a bad thing, you know, that being at that level can help you get really far. Like I'm a badass. Everyone else sucks. And then, you know, level four is we are awesome. They suck, which is kind of, I think we're, you know, it's a good place to be right now. And I think it's rare to be in there. And then level five is like children's hospital or NASA. Like we're really advancing for the world and life is great. And we're putting a man on the moon and saving the children, you know, like, so it's just uh, really interesting to sort of, you know, look at yourself and look at your business and be like, what level am I at now, especially during the pandemic? And, you know, how do I get my, me and myself up maybe one level at a time, little by little and very intentionally. So, yeah, I mean, you really have to like have that sort of uh, filter to look, look at yourself and listen, you know, listen to what's, what people in your office are talking about what level are they in and slowly, you know, try to raise everyone up together. But I think it's, it's really hard right now. I don't know. What have you been seeing? I've just been seeing kind of like, do you think, I mean, I think a lot of, you know, that word pivot kind of pisses me off now because we've just like overused it so much, but in talking to people around Kat, what have you been hearing? Do you think most people are pretty optimistic or? You know, I like, there's a gap now, right? We've always had this like wealth gap and this um, like gender gap, racial gap. Um, But I I do think the pandemic has exacerbated it. And so it was like the people who were happy got happier. And the people who were either on the fence or not so happy got sadder. And and so these gaps have are now widening because back in 2008, when we had the financial crisis, Mm -hmm. if you look at like who was hit the hardest, it was mostly white collar like jobs, right? Like mortgage, Mm -hmm. banking. And so those people were like, a lot of them were able to bounce back within the year, I would say. This time it's a lot of blue collar workers. So, Mm -hmm. So the poor are getting poorer. The, the heavy are getting heavier, the depressed are getting more depressed. And I think it's like, when you look at it in that sense, um, it's sad and it can be very burdening for someone like you and I to try to carry the weight of all of the things that are going on. Because I think one thing you and I probably have in common is like, we have a duty mm-hmm. because we're not in that, in that, you know, socioeconomic space or in that mental space. Um, you almost feel like you have a duty to defend the defenseless. You have a duty to like put your hand out and help them up. And so I think the people who are in our position, we got better and we're figuring out like, how do we help other people a lot more now than I think we've ever thought about that before. Because I think, I remember reading some of your posts and 
you know, you, you're obviously very glamorous. And one of the posts, I remember when the pandemic was starting was you were just like having this um, evolution of what was the point of like owning all these like things and like, they're just things, right? And you were really being like um, introspective about it. Yeah. And I remember that, I remember reading that, like seeing that change in you of, okay, this isn't about me anymore. Like, I mean, yeah. not that you always thought it was about you, but I think you recognize an opportunity of, you know, what can I do to like help these people? Because now these people that are in these circumstances, they can't even help it. This is like government regulation, institutional, you know, institutionalized. Like these are all these things that like, it's just a foot on their neck. And how do we help them get it off? And it's not even like just, you know, I think it's the evolution for me was I was always such a hamster in a wheel and didn't know that I was. And I was constantly like, grow, grow, bigger, 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 like more, more, more. And I think I just came to the realization of like, when is it enough? Like, when do I just like say, you know what, like, I'm going to take a second to just sort of appreciate what I've built and enjoy it and spend more time with my kids you know, I feel like I'm not, I'm slowly getting to the point where I can even help others. I mean, I'm a doctor, so I'm helping others all day long, but mm-hmm. I think I'm, it was first, the first step for me. And I don't know if this is with anyone else, but it was almost like, slow yourself down. How can I just help my immediate family mm-hmm. succeed? Cause I just had them on autopilot. Like, I really don't even think I got to know my kids as deeply as I do now until 2020. Girl. <laughs> Like I have an eight-year-old, you know what I mean? Like as long as they were getting straight A's and they were well-fed and they were like active and, you know, whatever seemed, you know, seemed happy. Like I just left them on autopilot, but like my 13 year old writes poetry and I got to read it and I was like, holy shit, like she's deep and she's having these like, like totally like, I don't know, crazy like thoughts and thinking about totally abstract things. And I don't really feel like I connected to her because I just didn't take a second to pay attention. So I think even before, like our Think Big conference is kind of my way of giving back and really just spending a lot of time on something that I get like zero benefit out of. And that to me also is keeping me from getting burned out. I think that all of us, like even working from home are working harder with less distractions. Like if I'm at work, I'll turn around and like talk to another doctor or like you almost have more social time. But when you're at home, it's almost like my husband says you're like a boat that dropped its anchor at your computer and you just don't move. Like you don't even get up to pee. Like, so I just, I don't know. I I felt myself getting burned out, even though I'm spending less time at work. So I agree. That happened to me too. I'm like, why am I so miserable? Like Mm -hmm. after a couple of months of like, scouring the internet and figuring out not just how are we going to survive it, but how do we help our clients survive it? You know, our clients are restaurants and gyms and things like that. And so we, you know, all of the legislation that was coming out, we had to be the ones to kind of um, communicate that with the clients. Like, what does it mean? How does it work? And I just remember feeling miserable. And, and it's because, you know, if you look at like the core values I have for myself, freedom is one of those mm-hmm. freedom to do what I want when I want. Um, and so when you're stuck on zoom all day, you feel like a prisoner, you know, like you yeah. feel like this isn't, you know, it's not right. And so I had to come to that conclusion. And it's ironic that you talk about, you were trying to slow down because your brand 
has grown like tremendously in 2020 <laughs> with the release of your Netflix show Skin Decision with Nurse Jamie. Yep. I mean, has has the way you've like branded yourself personally ever conflicted with your role as like a business owner, like a boss? You know, not really, because that's the type of person I attract. Like all my patients, you understand, Kat, all my patients are like us. Every single one. They're all edu- like well-educated, boss, like women and men that typically live a really healthy lifestyle and just have a, need help with like this one little thing that's been, you know, that they just couldn't fix themselves. Yeah, that's yeah. my, that's my typical patient. They're not like, Oh, I need these like boobs to save my boyfriend. No one, like no one's ever walked in with a picture of a celebrity and told me, make me look like that ever yeah. <laughs> in my practice. They're all like, I just want to be the optimal version of myself whether that's brain health, whether that's with fitness and whether that's with how, you know, my skin, whatever. So I think, you know, that's sort of how I've branded myself forever. And that's, you know, what, you know, kind of came out and it's been amazing. I mean, we were getting, when it first launched in July of 2020, we were getting 60 calls a minute. I mean, an hour. So we're getting a call a minute. So it slowed down a bit since then, but I mean, that sort of forced us to get a call center going, which is great if I ever want to open up a second location or third location. It forced us to get everything done. The pandemic forced us to get everything done before the patient walks in. So now we do virtual consults. So I'm able to see like three times as many new patients a week because they don't don't have to come in and get their photos taken and fill out the paperwork and then, you know, all of this craziness. So it's just like a 15, 30 minute consult in the comfort of their own home. All of the costs, risks, consents, everything's done before digitally even numbing cream I have on my e-commerce site, the skin spot. So they even order the numbing cream, put it on right before they get in the car to drive in. So they arrive numb right. and it's all, it's like become, everything's become so surgical. It's like the most efficient visit ever. So, and it's been great as a result, you know, we brought off three more doctors um, at different price points. So we're able to sort of accommodate a, a wider range of budget mm-hmm. and it's really allowed me, that has really allowed me to take myself out of the practice at least one or two days a week to think and to read and to strategize and to get my feelers out there so that I can help steer the ship so we don't crash like the Titanic. So I think that has been a little bit stressful in the sense that, you know, I know I'm now dealing with the lives of many people and I have to steer the ship in such a way that I don't have to, you know, furlough anyone in case we go back into a lockdown or we don't have, you know, that we're diversified enough in the businesses that if we can't see patients in the office, the skin spots there for Mm e-commerce, you know what I mean? So it's just like, yes, having all of these different things. So we're not a one trick pony when it comes to our entrepreneurship side of it. And I'll tell you the skin spot when we were in lockdown for two months and I couldn't inject laser or, or surgerize anyone, um, it saved us. I didn't have to fire anyone. I just sat myself down 16 hours a day, worked on the e-commerce site. It went up a thousand percent in sales. And, And a big realization I had at that point is before I never used to talk about it on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. But when people couldn't go in and they were like, what do I do to maintain all this work I've done, all the college that I've built, all of like all the stuff. So when I gave them, you know, regimens to do from home or tools to use at home that actually work, they were so grateful. And I realized, you know, selling is not gross if it helps people. 
if you're selling something that helps people, that's a blessing and you should not be ashamed to promote that. No, I mean, you're, you're solving a problem, right? right. Be, you know, you were, one thing that I was so impressed by you um, was you answered every question I ever had. You, I think you responded to like every, <laughs> I, like every, every DM I had, like you, I had like, it was so funny. Cause when I saw your show come out, I was like, oh my God, I like, I almost was a candidate to be on that show <laughs> like, <laughs> because you were like, send your pic, take pictures and like, send it to this email. So when it came out, I was like, oh, could have been me. I could have had my 15 minutes of fame, girl. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, um, yeah, those stories were a little bit intense and that was a big learning point too. I feel like it's really hard to, with planning. And, you know, every year of my career has been so drastically different than the year before, you know, some businesses are like, okay, well, if we can just do 15% more in sales, like I, I cannot plan. I don't even, I mean, it's just like one year, it's like you get a Netflix show the other year, the pandemic hits and now everything's virtual. Like every year has been so different in my career than the year before. I can't even set like markers in place. So actually what I'm doing, Kat, and I don't know if like you've seen this, but I, got so much done and so much clarity during quarantine when I couldn't see patients that I'm self-quarantining at least two months a year now. So it's like yeah, a new thing. <laughs> it's my new thing. So yeah, February 15th to March 15th, I'm not seeing any patients. I'm literally going to just read and listen to podcasts. And, you know, I have a whole to-do list for every business and personally as well. Just get a lot of stuff done. I'm going to do it and probably again one more time in August. Your kids are on spring break too during that time, I'm guessing. No, they're actually on spring break after. After that, I got it. Just like literally I needed this for me. I didn't do it so I can like, you know, be off with them. They're, they're, they're Zooming, they're right here anyways. So they're not in school. Yeah, you see them more. Yeah. I, I definitely, because I couldn't travel, I, I wasn't driving as much. I live in L, I mean, I live in Pasadena. So mm-hmm. it's same shit, same terrible. Thing. Yeah. Um, and I got so many projects done. I mean, we launched a culture quiz on our website. We launched an ebook. We launched, we did a whole rebrand. I mean, these were things I, that would have taken me years to complete never. because I was too- Never had them done, ever. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so now I think I've gotten a little more disciplined with my schedule and my time where before everybody was like putting memes on my calendar nonstop. And so now I had, like you, I've blocked off like huge blocks of time at least twice a week. So I can sit and work on new things like courses and, mm-hmm. um, you know, in speaking engagements and, you know, all this stuff that, I mean, it kind of fills your bucket to do these things as much as you love helping clients and helping customers and things like that, you need to fill your bucket up. And, and so you can be even better for them, you know? Hundred. So, and so do you, when you, you're growing, you have this like team in your office now that you've got three new doctors and I'm guessing probably a bunch of other assistants and things mm-hmm. like that. What has been the most challenging part of managing a growing team? You know what? I think the most challenging part in my like journey as a leader and as a business owner has been firing people. Because I was like, oh, well, she's a single mom or like, 
oh, her husband's on disability and like they have three kids. But just letting people go find their happiness elsewhere has been um, my biggest growing point. So as soon as somebody just doesn't serve the company anymore, I fire them mm-hmm. without apologies because that's not fair to every other employee who's busting their butt. And also it's not going to lead to the well-being of the company. And if the company's not doing well, I have to let people go that I don't want to let go. So as of right now, everyone that we've kept is just a unicorn. Like they are team players, like, you know, super positive. And if somebody's not, we see them slipping back. We just nip it. We're like, "Mm -mm, nope, we talked about this. You cannot do that. You can't sigh when you're walking down the hallway. Nope. We don't complain in the kitchen. Nope. Like, just like, you know, we just nip it in the bud right now. The other thing too is um, having somebody, not me, really meet with everyone every quarter and really get like the thing, like my, my team for a while was feeling underappreciated, even though I'm like, I saved all your butts during the pandemic. Like, how are you unappreciative? You know, I didn't fire any of you, like all of this yeah. stuff, you know, just getting the feelers out there when you think you're doing like a fine job and, and you know, everybody's just like, you know, you know, doing well and we're steaming forward, but just taking those moments to really check in, um, has been great too. But no, I mean, I really think honestly, we've, that's probably one of the biggest areas of growth we've had is in the people that we have right now. Like the team that we have right now is so strong and working together and, you know, the first to congratulate each other. And it's taken eight years to get to this point. So the thing is also when you're doing well, you attract good people. So people are always like, how do you find these people? I'm like, they find us. Like they are, we are getting resumes submitted to us all the time on Instagram, you know, word of mouth, like so-and-so's friend, you know, so people hear about how our workplace culture is really great and how we're all just working to help people. And like, I got two five-star Yelp reviews this weekend and both of them mentioned like staff members, like front office staff or the person who answered the phone or our nurse in the operating room. And, you know, that's, it's awesome. Like, I love that. And when I hear also when I do the virtual consults, they're like, first, before we even start this consult, I just want to let you know that your team is amazing. And I'm like, I know, you know, so I think that takes hiring the good people and holding on to them. Right. And letting go of the not, the people who are just not going to find happiness. Yeah. I will literally hire in a week. (laughs) That's, that's like the, the motto, right? Hire, slow fire fast that's like and there's also like another thing too if if like if you wouldn't hire them over and over again knowing like what you know now you have to just let them go and find you know their piece somewhere else do you do you do the interviewing yourself no i suck at it i'm the worst and can i tell you why i don't even meet them until the first day i walk in i go congratulations welcome okay i grew up in med- I went to I went to Columbia. First of all, I went to Harvard Westlake, which is like. Ugh. Yep. Then I went to Columbia. Then I went to medical school. Then I went to residency. So everyone I've been surrounded by since high school is an overachieving follow thrower. You know that's gonna do what they said they're gonna do. And right. so you, my mentality is like, oh, well, she's telling me she's gonna do this. They're gonna do it, and it's just not the way most people 
you know, for that they don't, yeah, they don't function at that level. Yeah. So every time I would interview, I'd be like, oh, you sound great. And my, 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 you know, chief operating officer was like, whoa, whoa, no, no. Like, you know, <laughs> so I just, you know, I just stopped interviewing. I'm not good at it. I just assume everyone's like who I grew up with since, you know, high school, which is these overachieving badasses and no. So I don't interview. That's fun. I mean, that's so important to recognize that. I mean, I interview for some of like the positions, the higher level, the ones that are going to be working with me, like yeah. close, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, but the rest is off to the managers or the supervisors. Um, tell me, I mean, I, you, we were talking earlier about how you mentioned like the tribal leadership and all of these different, you know, um, levels of it. And it's when you use the word sucks because the HR sucks podcast. Yeah. Um, and so tell me, like, what are some of the things that make you happy today? You know, it's so funny, Kat, one of the reasons, like, in all transparency that I'm taking this month off starting in 20 days, which I'm so excited about, is because I really need to answer that question. And I need to pull, I always say, like, you know, with another sports analogy, you can't look at things from the nosebleed section unless you take yourself out of the game. Mm-hmm. And I really need to get a macro level view of not only my businesses, but my life, my children's lives, you know, and I need to sort of say in 2020, like my goal up until this point was to have my own TV show. Mm-hmm. So people are like, I always tell people, you know, when you're branding yourself on social media, you have to say, what is the goal? Is it to get more patients? Is it to get more business? And for me, it was none of those things. It was to get my own TV show. That mm-hmm. was it. That was my, you know, my online presence. And now that I got it, I kind of gotten to a place where I'm like, where do I go from here? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you hear about that all the time. You have this like longstanding dream, then you achieve it. And and a lot of people actually go through a depression after because they're just like, okay, I have so much life to live now. Like, what am I supposed to do next? Well, you know, and I think it's important that you do take that time to figure that out. And I mean, I know I'd be super excited to see what you would spit out over that month of you doing a lot of that self-reflection. Mm-hmm. I, I find it so interesting that you talk about um, like your personal branding and the show of, I have a daughter and I feel the same way. I feel like there's not any content especially content, content that is tagged as like reality that I would want her to watch and think like, Oh, I have to be that way. And I always feel like the women who are portrayed in a lot of these like reality shows are either like gossip, loving beauty, fashion, you know, whatever women or they're rape victims. And there really isn't a lot in between of like, what, like, who what happened to like the people who are just maybe ambitious and but don't like gossiping or you know don't really care about fashion or are not surgically enhanced which I think is ironic because you're a plastic uh, plastic surgeon and you have not really messed with your face whatsoever oh my god I have 13 syringes of filler in my face girl that's different that's different (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about like other stuff (laughs) um and so you know, I, I, I've written like an executive summary and it's, it's called, I don't eat salad. Mm-hmm. And it's really just a pitch to like, 
like a reality or a docu-series or maybe I might even write it into a sitcom or something mm-hmm. about like breaking past those boxes of what women are supposed to be that we are like ambitious but we're also sensitive and we're mothers but we're also career driven and you know like all of like all these labels that are like like stuck to us and not people not realizing like we're not all the way anything you know we're something yeah or sometimes that the week that I'm on my period, completely different, completely different person. <laughs> so, and so I, I love that you're doing that because, you know, as my daughter gets older, I want, I want to, for her to come and say, Hey mom, I'm going to watch this show. Is that okay? And for me to feel like, yes, like you can watch it because it's educational. It's going to help you personally. And so I can't wait to see what you come up with because I, I think it's going have to be amazing super exciting stuff that I can't talk about definitely like in the works but I think you know I need to almost like really open up my brain space and my energy and just focus and just allow those things to kind of that creativity to kind of flow in order to make anything that I take from this point on successful and really to its full potential And it's just so funny because that's not me at all. Like if you would have told me a year ago that I would be taking 30 days Mm -hmm. off from seeing patients, I would not, I would just laugh in your face. I'd be like, there's no way I have not taken 30 days off. Like ever. I haven't taken two weeks off ever. Like, you know, I'm with you. But I think, you know, it's just, and and I'll tell you another thing too, is having, you know, what you were talking about, about, you know, really feeling and having that empathetic side just to what people, to the suffering that a lot of people are going through. I never let myself feel that to that extent. I think as a surgeon, you kind of have to allow yourself to cut things off and be in denial because I'm literally taking a knife and cutting people. Like how do you, how do you, you know, rectify that with being an empath and, this is the first year that I've even allowed myself to like, let that really in a little bit. And it's very uncomfortable for me. And my patients will say, Oh my God, no, you're the most empathetic person on the freaking face of the planet. You know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I feel like that's a space where I am. And then I almost have to like, let, give it a rest when I get home, because I've just been like, Oh, all day long, giving, giving, giving. So when I get home, I'm like, Oh, like, <laughs> I want to watch Bridgerton. <laughs> like, oh, I- I love that show, but no one warned me that it was a soft porn show. Yeah, no, it literally <laughs> I'm um, like, watch you with my daughter. Uh, I know, <laughs> my eight-year-old too. And I'm like, get out of the room. <laughs> I lock the door when I watch it. But um, no, yeah, so I think it's, it's the first time that I've really allowed myself to feel that way. I don't know, I know it sounds so weird as a doctor, but I, I feel like we're taught to shut it off. How do you watch people die in training? Like when you're on trauma, had, if you allow that to penetrate, you cannot, you won't survive. I no, I mean, you're, you are built to perform and that's it. Right? It's so true. It's so true. And, and it's, it's, it's good that you're, it's almost, it is like an empath vacation, right. For you to just kind of move away from it. And feel, again, it's just filling your bucket and whatever comes out in that overflow, everybody gets a piece of that. But if you, if you're feeling like empty and tired and exhausted, you're not really going to be able to do much with people. You're just going to perform and be a robot, but you're not really going to feel anything. I don't want to liken uh, your patients to cows, but they're there. I was watching, um, I think it was chef's table. Uh-huh. I love that show. Okay. Oh did God, you see the one with the butcher? Life. 
the butcher from Italy. Yep, yep, yep. I saw. And it. he talks about how he honors like the cow. You know what I mean? Like to that the way he started before he was like a butcher and it was like he's just performing. You can't feel bad for the animal. Yeah, yeah. Know? Yeah. And he wanted to be a vegan and then he couldn't because I think his dad passed away. So he had to take over. Right. And so he learned how to like honor the life of the cow. Right. And like, and that came, I mean, it came into like every like cut and every mouth that was fed and the way that that, that food was like served to the people and the experience of it, it he felt like this is love. Like this is me loving yeah. animals, you know, yeah. even though we're consuming them. And so again, I don't want to, I know no, this is no, like a I terrible comparison. Did you see that? Um, the French chef from San Francisco? A Dominique. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I literally sat, my, my kids were in the room. I'm like, shh, you've listened to this woman. This is me. Everything she's saying, you know? And I actually went on to like DM'd her, like, you know, freak show on, um, on Instagram. And I was like, I just want to let you know that, <laughs> you know? She was yeah, on, um, somebody feeds Phil. Oh, really? Yeah, so, she was on one of his, which I freaking, I love that man. Oh my gosh. Adopt me. Bill Rosenthal, adopt me, please. <laughs> she was, she got cancer. Oh, oh yes. yeah, 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 yeah. I saw it on her Instagram, yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, she's a beautiful soul. I mean, the yeah. story of her father and like how she honored him. Again, that's just, that's, that. I think that when you make that connection of like, how are you honoring these women or men and their lives, right? I mean, your show was a huge, I got emotional probably because her name was Katrina too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I got emotional. I was just like, I, I kind of, I guess you go into it and you think it's going to be a very superficial yeah. show. Not what I wanted. Yeah, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, and it was, it was very really deep. Like as a reality person that actually was successful before getting into reality, like this is, I have a lot to lose. You know, I have my reputation to lose. I'm already in, you know, in business in Beverly Hills, uh, you know, right next door to me is Paul Nassif, Garth Fisher's mm -hmm. a floor below me. Like, this is like the, we were already successful. So going into it, I was like, and Netflix, it's such an amazing job, like props to Netflix and props to our whole team, but they really protected that the vision for the show and, and honoring the patients, their stories, you know, making sure that everything was accurate and professionally shot um, and very respectful. And I could not have wished for a better, you know, a better show. I mean, I think I learned a lot. I think there definitely has to be like lighter moments, maybe bring in some pretty people, you know, show the, you know, maybe me in like a full length gown shooting a TikTok in my operating room, which actually happens, you know, like I learned a lot moving forward um, to just allow for those lighter moments to come through. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, what you said with the reality TV and how it's depicted right now in other shows, that's what sells though. Like yeah. that, that escapism is what people want right now. So it was really interesting when our show hit in July and that everybody was on Netflix because everybody was home, but the show is heavier stories. So it's like people couldn't binge it because they'd be crying for eight hours if they binged it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like, I think keeping those really powerful stories, but interspersing lighter moments and just maybe a little bit more into like my life into it. Would that be would have been nice. I think I would, yeah. I would have, I want it like, that would have been nice to see just the balance, right. Of being a wife and a, and a mom and all of the other things that you're doing. But I know the show is, I, I mean, the way you did it, I thought it was beautiful. It was, it was around the, the patients. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I, I think, yeah, season two, 
would be more of like what's going on in in Dr. Sheila and Nurse Jamie's houses. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're not alone. So um, yeah. Where can listeners find you, like your company, your products and all that good yeah. stuff? So um, the easiest way is to go on Instagram. I am Dr. Sheila Nazarian. So Dr. Sheila Nazarian. And if you go to my link tree, the link in bio, you'll see all the other pages. All so the stuff. All the surgeries on a different page called the model surgeon. Cause my friends were like, I can't follow you if you're going to post a tummy tuck while, and I'm scrolling and I'm eating breakfast and I want to throw up. So I had to move that. We have the skinspot.com, which is our curated medical grade. So it's almost like the violet gray of medical grade. Um, and Nazarianinstitute.org is our nonprofit and the conference is called Think Big. And on Instagram, it's Think Big if you want to get involved in that. And that's really, I think would speak very much so to your audience. This is for entrepreneurs that are not like, I'm suffering. This is for entrepreneurs that are like, I'm a badass, take me to the next level. (laughs) That's good to know. Cause I, I, I think I saw it, um, you promoting it last year and I thought it was only for doctors so it's not just for doctors no I mean you know like entrepreneurship is like I prefer like I bring people like Dave Logan I bring people like the DeJulius group the guy who speaks to us about customer experience worked in like stadiums like you, like he was in like customer experience, fan experience in stadiums for 20 years. Mm. There's so much that we can all cross pollinate and learn from each other. I don't go to like, when I'm looking for business advice, I don't go to another doctor. I go to a badass CEO who like mm-hmm. freaking has 20 businesses that he sold. Like that's who I go to. So if I'm going to learn business, that's who I want to come to my conference and speak. You know, I just feel like we've niched it out kind of to medical providers. Cause we're like the only people that don't get any of that education. And we're told money is gross and we should never talk about it. And unfortunately that's why so many doctors are horrible business people because we never are even given the permission to speak about it. So I, there was a, there was a definite need for us. Perfect. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Sheila. You're amazing as I, you know, figured you would be. Um, Thank you everybody for listening. You can find us on Instagram at HR sucks. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. So you don't miss a beat. That's right.